Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on May 3, 2018, focusing on recent guidance issued by Treasury relating to the new international tax provisions under the recent tax reform legislation. The panelists for the webcast were Ken Kuykendall, a PwC tax partner and our tax services leader, Mike DeFranzo, a PDBC tax partner focusing on international tax issues. Quinn Nguyen, a PDBC tax partner also focusing on international tax issues. And Elizabeth Nelson, a managing director also focusing on international tax issues. This excerpt consists of a discussion among the panelists on guidance relating to Section 163J and the interest expense limitation. Take a listen. Why don't we uh, why don't we jump into the 163J guidance and Quinn? I'm going to come over to you and have you walk us through that. All right. Sure. So um, also during the early part of April, in addition to the third toll charge notice, um, there was uh, additional guidance that was dropped. The first guidance under Section 163J, um, Notice 2018-28, um, dealing with the interest expense limitation rules. And uh, just a refresher, the business expense limitation rules were amended so that now it applies to limit business interest expense um, based on the sum of 30% of the adjusted taxable income of the taxpayer, plus any business interest income, plus any floor plan financing uh, expense that the taxpayer has. And a lot of questions were raised early on uh, in the year and throughout even the legislative process about the impact on uh, amended Section 163J because it applies more broadly to both inbound, outbound taxpayers, related party uh, debt, and unrelated party debt. And so it has a bigger net, if you will. And so uh, the first round of guidance in this notice addressed a lot of the, for lack of a better word, pedestrian issues that have been asked about how to just apply the limitation. And so it covers things like applying the limitation at the consolidated tax return filing level. It discusses the treatment of the carry forward of disallowed uh, disqualified interest under the old Section 163J. It also dealt a little bit with respect to the treatment of a C corporation in terms of how it determines whether it has business interest income or business interest expense, which may be subject to these provisions. And then it also dealt with some issues um, related to the partnership, because one of the things that the amended Section 163J does is that it applies at the partnership level, and then the partners obviously also have their own limitation. And so the notice deals a little bit with the interaction of the two. Um, the notice also provides that for taxpayers who are interested in submitting comments and give you a sense of when this guidance might come out, they, they do float that you should submit your guidance or your request for comments by May 31, 2018. And so shortly after that, hopefully, we'll get a, a fuller package of regulations dealing with other issues that weren't put into the notice. Okay. So to walk through the notice again, as I said, you know, one of the biggest items affecting taxpayers early on uh, were those that were already impacted by Section 163J and how to deal with the amounts of disqualified interest that they'd been carrying forward. And the notice um, provides a helpful um, statement, which is that if you had disqualified interest expense that you were carrying forward under the old Section 163J, it can be moved into 2018 
And uh, any disallowed interest that you carry forward into 2018 will be treated as if it were business interest expense, meaning that it's going to be subject to the new amended Section 163J. Presumably, if you're a taxpayer, though, that can elect out of Section 163J, so if you're electing real estate development business, um, you may elect out, and therefore the, the interest limitations potentially may not apply anymore if you've been carrying forward that interest expense and were previously subject to it. Uh, one of the other things that they did provide in this notice uh, as well was the interaction of Section 163J as it applies to Section 59 Cap A, which is the BEAT or so-called BEAT provisions. Uh, and this was not such a helpful rule. Uh, what it provides essentially is that if you've been caring for that disallowed interest expense, you bring it into 2018, and if in a subsequent year to which the BEAT provisions may apply, you're allowed to take an interest expense, uh, that interest expense may be treated as a base erosion payment in that year and therefore might be subject to the add back under Section 59 Cap A. And so they gave you a nice rule by letting you carry forward the disallowed interest, but then you have a bad rule in the sense that it interacts with the BEAT, so you may lose some of that benefit. Uh, one of the other things that they clarified in this notice is that under the old Section 163J, excess limitation could be carried forward for a period of three years, and excess limitation was essentially if the taxpayer had excess capacity to take on more debt. Um, the notice, I think not surprisingly, clarified that 2017 is the last taxable year to use any excess limitation, and that going forward into 2018, there's not going to be any capacity, uh, largely because the new statute itself doesn't include, other than a, a little bit for partnerships, a concept of excess capacity. One comment, uh, just on this deductibility point, and again, I'm, I'm coming back to the financial accounting side of this, but I've heard several times while I've been out talking to people suggesting that disallowance is a temporary item because there's unlimited carry forward, so I've got the ability to carry it forward. Just realize that, that that's an accounting judgment that needs to go through recoverability like anything else that's out there. So it's not as if just because it's disallowed and it's got an unlimited carry forward period, you'd automatically put an asset out there and it, and it would not have an impact on rate or that it would be just simply a temporary item. So I just want to make sure I cue that up and people do spend the time going through the traditional recoverability analysis. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the new amended Section 163J only applies to limit the business interest expense of a uh, taxpayer. And so one of the questions that had been floated early on was just, what are the rules for determining whether you have business interest expense and or business interest income? And the notice helpfully provides that, at least for a C corporation, uh, any interest expense paid by the C corporation or any interest income that's includable in the gross income of the corporation will be treated as business interest expense or business interest income, um, and that these rules won't otherwise apply to an S corporation. Hopeful that they address the point about a corporation taking on interest expense or interest income was it still left open other examples or fact patterns that people have really been trying to grapple with with answers for. So, for example, how do you deal with subpart F inclusions or guilty inclusions to a C corp uh, shareholder? You know, is that amount going to be treated as related to the business uh, of the taxpayer, and is it going to be included in the adjusted taxable income? Those questions remain unanswered in this notice, and I. Uh, a little worried that it's partly because they haven't decided where they're going to go with it. Uh, but, you know, that's an open issue. Also, what is open is potentially if you have a C-Corp partner in a partnership and you apply the limitation at the level of the partnership, uh, whether investment income, for example, of a partnership may flow up to a C-Corp partner. And if it doesn't flow up, obviously, it may have an impact on the ability of a corporation to increase its adjusted taxable income for those amounts. 
I think there's several more partnership questions too around uh, real estate trader business and other things too that make partnerships complicated. So no surprise they didn't get that right. No, no, I mean, I think the point that you make also is relevant. If we switch to the next slide, one of the things that the government on panels had been saying early on in the year, which they confirmed in this notice, so it's not a surprise, is that Section 163J itself uh, will apply at a consolidated group filer level. So if the consolidated group files a return, you're going to compute the limitation at the filer level, meaning that it's going to be based on the consolidated taxable income of the group, and you would disregard the intercompany uh, obligations between group members. And um, issues here, as you said, in the context of a partnership about there are certain trades or business that are exempt or that may be exempt at the election of the taxpayer from the new Section 163J provisions. You have the same um, sort of issues when you're dealing with a consolidated group where members might be um, eligible potentially for the exclusion and how do they take into account uh, the debt that might be excluded. Right. From, from those activities or being subject to limitation. And the government, in their notice, I think, does acknowledge that they're aware of these issues uh, and that they expect to address them in the first round of guidance, proposed regulations, I guess, meaning I think they're still probably thinking through what the answer is going to be on a lot of those issues and how you even allocate the debt to the relevant trader business of the taxpayer. An example would be a power business that has a regulated non-regulated business. That'd be the easiest example, right? Yep. Yeah, tons around real estate right. development as well, and right. what exactly is uh, real estate development that qualifies or is eligible for the election. Uh, one of the things that I'll just observe is that the notice um, also provided that to the extent taxpayers had been applying the old Section 163J under a super-affiliated approach because the proposed 1991 regulations allowed super-affiliation, uh, going forward, it's possible that new guidance will not allow super affiliation anymore to apply the limitation. And so uh, this may, well, this will have an impact on a lot of potential inbound companies that were subject previously to the old Section 163J and perhaps were taking, um, the, computing the limitation on that basis. And so the proposed regulations will describe how taxpayers are going to have to allocate that interest expense uh, within the consolidated groups once they break up the super affiliation. And so going forward, it's not going to be possible, it sounds like, under this notice uh, to continue to do that. Uh, one of the areas, thankfully, where the government did decide to continue to carry forward some principles of the 1991 proposed regulations was, uh, at least with respect to the impact of Section 163J on the earnings and profits of the paying corporation, the regulations will clarify that the disallowance of interest expense and any carry forward under Section 163J um, is not going to impact when a payor is going to have to reduce their uh, ENP computation. And so this is helpful guidance. It was consistent with the proposed 1991 regulations, and they just carried that forward, uh, largely, I assume, because it applies to a whole lot of other taxpayers now rather than just inbound companies. And I think one of the things they didn't answer in the notice is whether 163J applies for purposes of calculating tested income, because that's just allocable expenses. It's not an E&P calculation, and so that remains out there as a question to be answered, hopefully, in proposed regs. We, we talked about that on yesterday's webcast. It's, it's a bit of a challenge, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
One of the uh, last things that was done in the notice, uh, again, dealt with the fact that you now apply the limitation at the partnership level. And so when you're taking into account the partnership's uh, income or excess taxable income, certainly the statute allows that to flow up to a partner. And questions have been raised about the capacity of a partner to take into account any business interest expense or, or any business interest income uh, at the partnership level into the partner's own Section 163J limitation. And the notice here did helpfully confirm that a partner is able to take into account uh, to the extent the partnership has any excess business interest income. So you take you net out essentially the business expense with any business interest income. And if there's excess business interest income, the partner may include its allocable share uh, when it's computing its own Section 163J limitation. So that's helpful. It allows the partner to obviously bump up or increase uh, their capacity to uh, take on some interest expense. Uh, the other thing that was done in this notice, though, that was um, not surprising is that they don't allow the partner to take into account any uh, floor plan financing interest expense that's happening at the partnership level because that would allow a double counting, whereas just the net piece of the business interest income uh, was not going to raise the double counting issue that the government might have been concerned about. So that was a helpful piece of, of the guidance. But as Mike indicated already, there are a lot of open questions with respect to partnerships that do remain unanswered. Um, and hopefully we'll see that in, in some guidance this summer or before the end of the year. Yeah. You've mentioned a lot of times where the guidance is deviating from prior guidance under 163J. We do have proposed regs out there from 1991. What happens with respect to those uh, in your view? Well, um, you know, once the proposed regulations under Section 163J is, go is issued, at the same time, the government will withdraw the 1991 proposed regulations. And so the capacity for taxpayers who might have, at least for Q1 purposes, have been looking to those proposed regulations uh, sort of for inspiration on how to interpret the new provisions uh, may be very limited, obviously, in light of the fact that the government does expect to withdraw those proposed regulations. And so... Um, They'll have one issued and one withdrawn. I guess they're, for the two-for-one rule for the executive order, they'll have to find a second reg. But... <laughs> Inspiration's a great word. <laughs> well, would, you, would you expect, though, that, I mean, there's a lot of work that was done in those 91 regs. Some of it might be useful. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes back to, you know, when we're speculating or trying to divine when guidance right. might drop. Yeah. Certainly the 1991 proposed regulations were fairly comprehensive in their coverage. And a lot of the issues that the government still needs to, to deal with, so for example, when they have, uh, now that we know that the limitation will apply at the consolidated file level, if you have members coming into the group or out of the group, how does the interest expense or the carry forward of any amount get allocated to members joining or leaving the group? Those were some of those issues that m may have been dealt with in the 1991 proposed regulations and that the government itself has flagged that they know that these are open issues and they, they expect to cover them. And so there may be some capacity that that guidance gets rolled into anything that's proposed, um, or the fact that the government didn't single it out specifically may mean that they're going to be changing some of what they might have done in the 1991 proposed regulations. Mm -hmm. So, so listen, we, we've gotten through here. I would just suggest, obviously, they've addressed some things, but... Right. There's a lot of things still to be addressed in the space. And I'm reflecting back on the prior webcasts we've had dealing with all the stuff and the readiness piece. And what consistently comes back as of interest with clients is debt obligations. So if you go back and look at what's the most likely people, thing people are going to do with respect to repatriated cash, look at their debt structure.
might do as a result of these rules and the combination of the U.S. rate coming down, potentially looking at debt in other jurisdictions or, or changing debt obligations. It's hard to do that without sort of full clarity on what's happening here. So, I mean, what's your sense as to the rest of the, the uh, sort of quantum of issues that are out there and whether or not they're going to get to them as part of the regs? Obviously, there's active dialogue going on, but... Yeah, I mean, it's even the, the open question, which they didn't answer, which is applying 163J at the CFC level. I mean, do clients actually have to go through and do a test? And, well, think about yeah. the implications of that. Right. There's a lot of CFCs yeah. that don't have much in the way of income right. there, but maybe carrying debt, supporting other... Sure. And, and why? Yes, why would they do that? Um, but it's, it's not clear. That I think they are still wrestling with a lot of those questions. The partnership space... A lot of questions. The carve-outs, a lot of questions. I know, Quinn, you're on the phone with Treasury a whole lot, um, probably bringing these issues up and talking to them. But when I look at, by comparison to the 965 guidance, we've got three notices out. Mm -hmm. They've actually got quite a bit. They can start writing the regs, I think. I wish they'd maybe give us one more notice to do some foreign tax credit uh, questions, maybe clean up a few more things. They could give us some more. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to give us those things in, the, in, in regs, I hope. Um, but 163J, it feels like this is just the first shot, and there's more to come, and the harder questions to come. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think taxpayers and maybe even tax practitioners are expecting a whole lot of Treasury in terms of how comprehensive any guidance package is. You know, earlier I think you mentioned I was optimistic that they would get uh, more guidance out, or at least a first round of guidance with respect to most of the main international provisions, and I still believe that to be true. Partly because I think uh, it may come down to, you know, being more realistic in terms of what they can cover and what they need to cover. And so yeah. I would expect, um, you know, as we saw through the Section 163J notices, notice itself, I mean, they hit on the main topics that people had been asking questions on and where they held back, you know, the topic about do you apply Section 163J at a CFC? I mean, that's been an, uh, a question even under the old. Uh, amended uh, under the old Section 163J notice, for example, and I feel like those issues, while they're pressing and important, um, if they haven't come up with a consensus answer in that building, they may not address the question and leave right. it open, right? Um, but right. they're going to issue potentially at least enough for the rest of the taxpayer, you know, on other issues that they probably, hopefully, have already come to some conclusion mm -hmm. about. And so I think it may be that you get some guidance, but it's not going to be comprehensive, and, and you're going to have to fill in the space with you know, a reasonable application of the rules. I think it's good to point out why they haven't come. To, I mean, they can answer that question. But the reason they haven't answered is they haven't really figured out guilty yet. And they, they, they don't want, I mean, they look at, if they apply 163J at the CFC level, well, then you could avoid maybe some base erosion of foreign corps that might be subject to guilty and moving some things around. And so they're sort of looking at, do they want to pull that lever? And I think because they haven't yet figured out guilty, it sort of holds them back in 163J. And all of this stuff is all very connected. Guilty and beat and 163J mm -hmm. are so very connected. And I know that makes it all even, even more difficult. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.